Hey everyone, and you are now listening to another episode of Gutter Boys. We're on episode 14, right? Is that One right? four. Yeah, buddy. Woo! Um, I, we should have addressed the fact that the last episode was uh, the Lucky 13, and we are in October. Ooh, time to get spoopy. Uh, for this episode, we have a special guest, Buster Moody. Uh, some of you probably already know who he is. He produces all the good music that we get to air on the show for free because he's a very sweet boy but also he's a great comic creator and uh, we'll be discussing sort of what he's been doing what he's up to his current kickstarter is live collecting all the issues that he's done with his collaborator caleb golner they have a book together called task force rad squad so we'll be going in depth about that and sort of a uh, I don't know what it's like to be a, an artist with a day job uh, like many of us here. So, Cam, obviously we're in the month of October. I don't know about you, but October is like my favorite month of the year. It's when, you know, the temperature gets right where it should be. Everything is really, really spoopy. It's okay to dress up like a monster and not be looked at like some sort of weirdo. Cosplay is life. <laughs> yeah, so I figured why don't we just talk a little bit about our favorite horror-themed books yeah, for this month. For sure, for sure. Um, I don't know. When I think of like horror comics, obviously, I go Junji Ito. I think that he's like the master of like actually scaring you when you're reading. Well, me personally, I, I've actually like, you know, kind of been taken aback and like creeped out by his work. Um, I think comics, like, I don't know if it's like this for everybody. And maybe I'm just like kind of an anomaly here, but I don't really ever get like spooked out reading like real books or comics. I can get spooked out seeing a movie, but it takes a lot for me to kind of get scared from like a drawing. Do you get scared of drawings or like taken aback or anything? You know, yes, I have. Um, I will say that we've been kind of desensitized because of movies and TV mm -hmm. and it, it's becoming harder and harder to scare your audience, yeah, yeah. right? To really make something that stays with them and unnerves them. With, with comics, it's even harder because it is a medium that you have full control over in terms of how you experience it. Yep. You know, with with movies, it's 100% passive. You're just there for the ride. So that to me, that makes more sense, I guess, in terms of being able to, to spook your your audience. But as a reader, it's a little more difficult to do. So that's why I think the books that do manage to like really stick with you and unnerve you. I mean, that's that's basically artists uh, at the top of their game. Yeah, 100 percent. I agree with that. Yeah, like I, I think like Junji Ito will generally like creep me out. Like he'll pace his stuff to where you turn a page and you get like this image. It's like, uh, you know, so uh, I think yeah. he's really effective with that. A lot of that stuff from Vertigo when they were first starting, like the Sandman, the Constantine, the Preacher, all that kind of stuff was yeah rooted in like horror for the most part or had some supernatural shit going on. So that's mm -hmm. like really fun. Um, trying to think what else there would be. Uh, that Sabrina book that came out over the past couple years that uh, – I know earlier we were talking about, you mentioned that the Netflix show was kind of taken from, uh, I still haven't seen that yet, but that had some gnarly fucking art in it by that Robert Hack guy. That shit was mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. And Archie too, I believe they did a horror run of the Archie stories that were really good. Yeah. The, uh, Frank Avia, uh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's really good. I, I really enjoy his stuff. He does like his, uh, Inktober stuff is my favorite stuff to look at, honestly, because he just goes balls to the wall with it and does a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. I feel like, um, who was publishing the Buffy comics? Uh, I think it was Dark, Dark Horse, Horse, but I think it's Boom yeah. now. Oh, okay, okay. I think yeah. Boom might be their new publisher. That initial run on, on Dark Horse that was intended to be kind of like a sequel to or continuing the story of the TV show, I feel like that was really good, right? Okay, yeah. Didn't they do like a season eight in the comics? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I've, I've never seen Buffy all the way through. I've seen a lot of it. I used to live with a guy in college that watched. I've seen a lot of it, but I've never seen everything. Um, oh. Like, I haven't seen it start to finish, but it's a good show. I just never, you know, got around to watching it start to finish. But yeah, I've seen I mean, a lot I, of it. I watched it from beginning to end as it was airing, because when it first started airing all the way to when it ended, and then you had that Angel show, that spinoff, I was watching all of it as it came out, because it kind of hit that point of, I don't know about you, but like growing up, and to this day, I, I, horror as a genre is something that I'm always really, really fixated on. So yeah. m- shows like Buffy, X-Files, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Tales from the Crypt, all that stuff. Uh, that's coming back soon. What is? I hope it's good. Are You Afraid of the Dark? I saw trailers for it on oh, TV. they're bringing it back. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. They're bringing it back. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, and it looked kind of creepy. Like, I mean, you only saw like flashes of some of the monsters, sure. I guess. Like it was a, like a 30 second spot, but I mean, it was a good 30 second spot. Nice. So I'll definitely check it out. See what it's oh, all yeah. about. Walking Dead, obviously, especially Tony Moore's initial 12 issues. I feel like that stuff is phenomenal. And I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, uh, Tony's output is a lot of it is horror themed because of his love for that genre. Mm-hmm. So right, like, I'm, right. I'm really a big fan of that Frankencastle run that he did. Uh, it kind of hits all those like really great monster tropes into one book. Plus you have the Marvel superhero element. So it's like, I don't know, it's really fun. I'm trying to think. Uh, Hellboy, obviously, most of Mignola's content and the output that he has is horror themed. Uh, BPRD, like you mentioned earlier, is uh, you know full of that stuff. Constantine, Ghost Rider, Doctor Strange, Swamp Thing, all those. Oh, Man Thing. There was some like really fucked up things that happened in Constantine. Like Constantine got pretty dark yeah, at times definitely. in that Vertigo yeah. run. It's so like watered sure. down now. Like every time like they try to restart the book, I'll usually pick up the first one to three issues and then I'm just like, this fucking suck, man. I don't want to see Constantine as a consultant to Batman. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the pretty fuck weak. Out of here. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff on the Vertigo uh, sub-label when they were doing a lot of... It wasn't outwardly horror, I guess. Like the Animal Man stuff that Grant Morrison was doing. There was some stuff in Doom Patrol that I think is super creepy. Oh, dude, yeah. Like, uh, Doom Patrol, Morrison's run on Doom Patrol is just so out Amazing. of this world. Amazing <laughs> like, stuff. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, the the fucking villain being, like, a painting, and whatever happens in the painting is, like, what's happening in real life. That shit was yeah. crazy. And, like, there was, like, the scissor men that would cut you out of reality. Yes. That was crazy, too. Like, just some real out-of-the-box stuff there. That stuff was awesome. Or Mr. Nobody, like, yeah. as a concept, is just, like, man, I don't know. He, You could tell he was having fun and, like, playing. Oh, for sure. Playing with a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of references in there that are really cool. Like, I don't know. This is good stuff. Oh, yeah. Alan Moore, obviously. He's a really spooky wizard man. Of course, he has a lot of horror comics. Uh, the, his Swamp Thing run, duh. Amazing. Really, really spooky. Yeah, incredible stuff. I, from Hell, I know you were saying you never finished. I've read, like, like so it's like a big book, and I feel like I've never made it more than a third of the way through the book. I have it. I just have never been able to finish it. I don't know if it's, like, Eddie Campbell's art, because, I mean, like, I like Eddie Campbell, I think. Um, but it's, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just, there's something, I don't know. Like, it's not the most like clear book to me. I don't know. Maybe I should try to reread it. It's been a few years, but yeah, I've never been able to finish that book every time I've tried. You really should. It's, I, I won't say it's my favorite Alan Moore book, but it's up there. I would say it's maybe two or three behind. I would say Promethea is up there and then like right behind it is From Hell. Yeah, I'm, 
I don't even know what my favorite Alan Moore book would be. Um, well, another one that he did that I think is overlooked because there is a lot of nastiness to it. That crossed book? No, no, no. That's not even Alan Moore. That's um, no. He had a run on it. He uh, he did a did run he? on crossed. Yeah, I um, thought that was all just uh, Garth. Um, it, Garthinus. So he did like this special twelve issue series. It was like crossed. Like it was like a hundred years in the future of the Garthinus story. And the only reason why I even know about it is because I was working at a comic shop at the time, and you could order this like box set of the first issue, and it was signed by Alan Moore, and it was limited to like. 500 or something so i ordered it for 100 bucks and flipped it on ebay for like 200 200 something because <laughs> wow. it was signed by alan moore but in like hand numbered and everything but that's the only reason why i know that he got a run on that damn okay but um it was just pretty gnarly like i think that book was about like cannibals and just nasty people right well it was about a disease that it, it's like the crazies right like the disease i was reading some of crossed and then i just couldn't get past the fact that there really wasn't much of a plot it was just people raping and killing yeah other people it's just like what's the like, point of this? like this is getting old you yeah know, like, i don't i don't really see anything to this but yeah alan moore's book neonomicon a lot of people got turned off on it and you know what rightfully so there's some really nasty stuff in there but i will say and you know that's <laughs> i get why Right. Like the whole premise of that book was we need to revert back to when people were uncomfortable about Lovecraft, because now it's it's such an easily commodifiable thing where no one is genuinely scared of Lovecraftian stuff anymore. You know, like if you can buy in this is a good example, if you can buy like a plushed Cthulhu doll. Right. At, right. At hot topic. I think we can all agree that that the fear and horror of Lovecraftian horror is no longer really there. Mm hmm. So Alan Moore wanted to make Neonomicon because, well, it was a paycheck, one. <laughs> and two, he wanted to go back and really focus on the things that were downplayed over the years about Lovecraft. You know, the fact that he was a raging racist, a xenophobe, terrified of poverty and women um, and sex. And so all those things manifested in those stories, some more directly than others, and then we just collectively forgot that that was a thing. So Lovecraft would be at a midnight screening of the Joker is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. He would be. <laughs> I don't know much about the dude, but <laughs> uh, he's uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a piece of shit or was a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, some really interesting ideas. And I mean, the whole idea of cosmic horror has been so powerful as a concept that it stayed to this day. You know, like it's very much a thing that we still think about. I mean, shit, season one of True Detective blew up and was super popular. And all of its core ideas are just borrowed from uh, writers like Lovecraft and cosmic horror. And yeah, that's yeah. sort of like the unknowable evil of the universe and whatnot. Um, well, not evil, but evil from our small minded human perspective of what we only understand is good and evil. Right, right. Um, and that stuff is like really terrifying. But Neonomicon... The, I remember the first issue of it is genuinely unsettling for me, at least, because it played with like it played with the medium of comics in, in a way that I never thought to do. The fact that the page is flat art is flat. It's all two dimensional. Everything is rendered in such a way where, you know, there really isn't a difference between a mural and an, a, a person, a character talking to another character. Mm hmm. They're fundamentally the same because they're all being read on the same plane. So he plays a lot with that and kind of fucks with your perspective and with the characters where like a good example is they're, tr they're tracking down a, a guy that they need to question involving, you know, this possible uh, conspiracy murder thing. And uh, they initially think they have him 
He's running out of the building, and they get outside, and they see him standing next to a wall and a tree. And the mural was there when they got into the building. And they see him, and they go to arrest him, and the guy puts his hand on him, and then realizes he's just touching the wall. Ah. It shows from another perspective, and it's just a painting that showed up that happens to be him. And I don't know, it's just like some little things like that. And then it builds on that later, like the fact that these stories are being, like the panels are framed in such a way that it looks like a window, you know, like you have four panel. When you look at a page and you look at one that's four panels that are all the same size and dimension, you know, and if you were to look at that on a flat surface, it's like that could be read in multiple ways. A lot of writers and artists play with that, the, the format to, to tell stories and whatnot. And he does that by showing sort of like multiple images on windows and walls and paintings. And then they start coming into the story. And I don't know. It's just like a lot of weird stuff that. Yeah, I've actually never read this. I'll have to check it out. It sounds kind of wild. So very Alan Moorish. But yeah, it sounds pretty fucking wild. If you have to read it, just read the first issue. I would say the other issues following are kind of underwhelming in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't, it never really runs with that the way I was hoping it was going to. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And instead kind of goes down the rape and and uh, racism thing. Which is, I get it, Lovecraft, yeah. But it's just like, I don't really need this Yeah, in my life right yeah, now. right, right, right. Um, but yeah, that, that, I think there's some really great ideas presented in there initially that I wish were explored more. I feel like Locking Key is really good, too. That kind of sort of plays with that. Yeah, it's it's a lot of Lovecraft stuff, right? Like, kind of. Yeah, 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 I would say so. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I read the first, I think, four books of that as they were coming out, and I never finished it. Not because I didn't like it. I just, yeah, I just kind of forgot. I need to go back and read it. I think it's wrapped up now, so. Yeah, they have them all collected. You yeah. Can pick them up. Yeah, so I read the first four, I think, because I was buying them when they were coming out for a while. And then, uh. Yeah, it just kind of fell off. And the hard the hard covers are really really nice in oh, terms yeah. of like how they're how they're made and whatnot. They've got those little I don't even know what they call them those little fabric bookmarker yep. things. Yeah, so those are awesome. Yep. Uh, they they feel like an object. It's right. Really nice. Yep. That's something I want to try to start doing is like making nice feeling books. I mean, like floppies are cool and you know they're nice, but like a nice feeling. There's nothing better than that, especially if you're already a fan of the book. Anyways. Like, oh yeah. It really just takes it to the next level. Yeah, I would say like if you're putting that much time in the story and the the art and everything it's really nice to go that extra step to really mm-hmm. put that much effort into the overall presentation of the book as an object yeah right and I, fe- I feel like that in and of itself is an art form that mainstream comic consumers overlook but i don't know so there was a series of adaptations that were loose adaptations of john carpenter's the thing that were supposed to be kind of like sequels and I really love those books. Well, one, the art was really cool. The covers are awesome. And they really ran more with the idea of the thing than how would it function? What would it be thinking about since it's a collection of single cells that are all individually conscious and aware? And the fact that they're also absorbing other consciousnesses from other creatures throughout the galaxy and on Earth. And it's just like, like if you were absorbed by a thing and you were replicated perfectly as cam but it's actually the thing would you think that you are cam too or would you know that you're not cam or would there be some sort of conflicting thing going on in your mind where like i am but i'm not me right right you know what i mean yeah so there's a lot of like interesting philosophical stuff that goes on in some of those stories about that 
but with also of course like a lot of gore and you know over the top action right and stuff. right so it's fun yeah i need to check that out i haven't read that but you know i'm a fan of the movie so it sounds pretty fucking awesome i really liked the and it kind of pops up Every once in a while, um, I really like the House of Mystery stuff that Vertigo was doing in the early to mid 2000s. Like, uh, oh, yeah, they would always every year. I think there was like four or five of them. There would always be like a Halloween special issue where they would always have like a bunch of like the way they would do it is like the bar at the House of the Mystery. The only way that you could get out of the House of Mysteries, you had to tell your story. So they did these Halloween specials for a while where like they would just bring in different artists and different writers. Yeah. And then like, yeah, the per- they would be framed by the narrative of you're in the bar. And then when somebody tried to tell their story, like, you know, they even had like Gilbert Hernandez in there. And, you know, like, so it was, it, those were really fucking awesome. I wish that I could actually, I'll probably start looking for those at the shop because those are really cool little anthologies. Hell yeah. Yeah. So those uh, are really good. Uh, you know, another one that I tend to not think of as horror, even though it very much is, is Black Hole by Charles Burns. I was, I'm actually looking at that right now, and I was like, is Black Hole a Halloween comic? But yeah, it definitely is like body horror, and some of that stuff is just yeah. kind of gross. <laughs> so, yeah, and um, it's just that, that sharp contrast, since it's all black and white, but yeah. the way Charles Burns draws mm-hmm. and inks things, yep, it's just like... I don't know. It's like very uh, unsettling and and but beautiful, like really it's well so done. Drawings, clean. Obviously, his style is so clean. Yes, but it's you're right. Yeah, there's just some really and I think like it's so, but it's like hard light with like these like really contrasting images you know yeah and, and when he takes a lot of nods from like those like romance comics you know like he'll straight up just show you where he lifted a panel you know in his work yeah. and i think that yes. all those like old ec and horror comics you know like in romance Definitely. comics so it's kind of cool that he wears his influences on his sleeve there because even if you are lifting the placement of a panel for your characters like he still makes it his own you know it's not like he's straight just copying it still looks like a charles burns drawing so exactly um, and i think you know daniel klaus does that too in like a velvet glove yeah yeah it yeah it is very sort of it reminds me a lot of like um aesthetic elements of like the twilight zone Mm -hmm. or uh outer limits sort of that 60s era of horror and genre bending and i don't know it's just like very successful i think i just got a book i haven't read it yet but i bought it um it's like a graphic novel i want to say it was either humanoids i think humanoids put it out or it's either humanoids or no brow but it's like about rod sterling and like the twilight zone and like the actual story of how the show got to air and everything so it's like a biography comic so i'm i love the twilight zone so to see that was kind of cool um i don't know if it is good or not but i'm gonna read it soon so um yeah let me know yeah yeah th- did you ever read any of those twilight zone comics i never actually checked any of those out but i'll see them from time to time i'll uh i i didn't i'm assuming that they're probably similar in tone to a lot of the early ec stuff because a lot of that yeah. was just like morality tales with twist endings and you know a horrible fate for the characters because they kind of deserved it right <laughs> you know? yeah i kind of figured it would be uh you know along those lines or like those like ripley's believe it or not comics you know, where like it wasn't always horror, but it was always like, oh, did this really happen or didn't it? You know, so but yeah, yeah I need to usually if I see that stuff in the back issue, Ben, though, like they it's like five or six bucks. And I'm like, eh, I'm not going to spend five or six bucks on a yeah. Twilight Zone comic, you know, because I don't know if it's good or not. But Yeah. And there's I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the racks right now, too, that is horror and worth your time, I would say, like unearthed friends of the show, Baldemar Rivas with um, a couple other folks, Kyle Strom and Colin. Colin Bond. Uh, Colin yeah, Bun. yeah. Colin Buns. And, he does a uh, lot of horror stuff. 
Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it seems like he's always kind of writing something scary. Like, he does a lot of work for Marvel and DC, but, like, all of his creator-owned books seem to be horror. Like, that book Harrow County he did was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyler Crook's art on that. Like, the yeah. like it was just, like, genuinely, like, it was all watercolor. So, like, it kind of had this, like, you know, because the main character in that book was, like, this teenage witch. <laughs> like, I guess, like, Sabrina. But, like, she didn't realize she was a witch and kind of figured out, like, that she was throughout the book. So, like, those scenes, like, I guess, like, the watercolor and the bright colors he uses, like it makes it seem like such an innocent comic but then like when it gets pretty dark like it gets pretty fucking gross so like there's like this like skin that's detached from like any bones or muscles so it's just like this pile of skin that the character keeps in like a briefcase that like consults with her and like it's just so fucking gnarly yeah um yeah it's a pretty good little comic and then uh charles form forsman forsman i feel like does a lot of stuff that's kind of horror adjacent right yeah or genre yeah. Well, adjacent at least yeah like he did that slasher book which was like uh it was about kind of like it was about this couple that like wanted to kill people but they would like get off by like webcamming they didn't know each other but they would get off by webcamming with each other and like cutting each other on webcam or cutting themselves and like they'd be like jerking off being like let me see your blood <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. weirdo stuff, uh, uh, you know. The, but what about witches? I never read it, but I heard it's pretty decent. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That book was awesome. Yeah, um, and like it looks pretty digital, like because that Jock guy who drew, I think his name's just Jock, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think it, like uh, he did like some Batman stuff, but like the artist, I remember when it was coming out, he was posting some of his process, and it looks like it's a bunch of like digital stuff, but he would actually like splatter like real paint and watercolor and drip it and then scan it in as a background layer. Okay. And then just like, so like his, his process was all natural, but it looks very digital. Interesting. Um, okay. All yeah. Right. But that, that book was pretty cool. I think that they're going to bring it back, but um, yeah, that book was definitely pretty gnarly. And um, then there's uh, Evan Dorkin's uh, Beasts of Burden, which is like a very, I would say Halloweeny kind of story. Yeah. I, he wrote that, uh, what was it called blackwood or backwood about like the it was like a horror academy like Mm -hmm. supernatural academy that was i I read all that that was pretty cool veronica fish drew it um it was all right yeah Yeah. oh and then uh, vanessa del rey's uh redlands another kind of horror oh yeah yeah i still need to check i read the first like two issues of that and then i was like this is going to read better uh as a whole oh yeah for sure so yeah so i'm waiting for it to come out collected some stuff like works monthly and then some stuff it's like i just want to read this all when i can sit down in one sitting um and that was one of those books like it was really good but i was like "Ah, i'm not i'm gonna wait for this to come out yeah and there's something about vanessa's art where i feel like i need to consume that in a sort of better packaging if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense like i feel Mm -hmm. like her work is so good to the point where i feel like a um a floppy is kind of above her in a lot of ways yeah like, I don't yeah, know. I feel like floppies purely exist now. I mean, granted, they do end up collecting the floppies into like graphic novels. I feel like floppies really are just for like diehards now yeah. and like to kind of get the artist a check, like a steady check while well, working. I mean, sometimes. that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I mean, at the end of the day, your money's coming off of the collected edition sales. But that's so what I mean. Just like, I, I think like with someone like Vanessa and her caliber of work, I would much mm-hmm. rather sit down with like a beautifully bound heavy duty book that's like 180 pages you know what i mean like that i feel like is more fitting for her type of work than you know a a 24 page 
floppy that you get. Yeah. There's a book coming out now from Image called Ice Cream Man. Have you heard of this book? No. What is that? I read the first like arc and uh, I might pick it up later. It wasn't bad. It's just like I'm trying to be more selective about what I buy just for financial reasons now. But it's like each issue is a standalone horror story. But like there's this really fucking creepy ice cream man that happens to just kind of weave himself in and out. Like you always see him. Like he's like the narrator, but it's always like just these bad people or like just horrific things happen to just these people. Yeah. But like the ice cream man, like always, he's like, I guess he's kind of like the Crypt Keeper. He's like your host from Tales of the Crypt. You oh, okay. Know? Like, okay. Yeah. So it's like a different story, but you always see him at the beginning or like when some stuff's going down, you might see his truck in a panel to like, you know, in the background yeah. or something, you know? So he's not like the villain, but he kind of is like the framing point And I guess what ties together all the stories. Nice. So that was, that was a pretty cool little book. Um, yeah, I just, you know, stopped reading it just because, but yeah, that was a pretty cool little story oh, yeah. he was doing there. Yeah. I think what scares me most in horror is like satanic shit, not demons. Like I can handle demons, but like possession and like, uh, rituals mm-hmm. <laughs> and like sacrifices, like that's, st- I don't know why, but that stuff, I think it's probably because the exorcist was like the first movie that I was like genuinely terrified of. So any kind of like demonic possession or like anything to do with like Satan, I'm always like, oh man. Did you ever, were you brought up in a religious environment? In the summers, I know that sounds weird, but like I would just spend literally two and a half, three months out in LA every summer for like 15 years with my dad's parents. And I had to go to church like two or three times a week. So it's like, but when I was home, like during the school year, no, my parents did not make me go to church. You know, everybody was cussing in the house. So yes and no. Oh, Um, I just totally forgot too. fucking Ziri Tarantula. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, you know that (laughs) I have that book and I still haven't read it. Um, the artwork in Tarantula is phenomenal. I mean, it's Alexis, but you can tell he's working in stuff that is in his wheelhouse to the max. I mean, you're, you're mm -hmm. talking about Spanish pulp and Italian, you know, giallo aesthetics. That's all stuff he's super into. And it comes through in those pages. I mean, the story is whatever, but man, artwork in it really, really sells it. Oh, dude. Uh, I've got like, Three of the uh, big books. I think there's like more now, but they're like $60 a piece. So I've been kind of waiting on him. that Guido Crepax guy. Crepax, Crepax. Uh, he did Valentina. That's like his main character. Okay. Um, it's pretty like he's like an Italian artist in like the 60s, 70s. Um, and Valentina was always like his main character. But and she was kind of like a dominatrix type, I guess. Like it was like one of those like Italian comics that had like a lot of sexy. Yeah, very stuff much going on. Yeah, um, very much the sort of um, the pulp stuff. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But you know, like she would, they would, like he would take like the exactly, yep. And he would take like that character, and she would like square off with like Frankenstein and Dracula and so forth, and some badass art going on there. So that's a really good horror comic too. I don't know if it's like so horror because like it's not like genuinely scary, and it's just like women kicking ass, you know. Like, but um, well, yeah, you know, some really people find stuff. that terrifying. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, well, I, yeah. If, so listeners, do you have a, a horror comic that you really, really love and want to share with uh, the listeners? Please send us a message, email us, whatever. Um, we'd like to discuss that because you know what? That's something that I feel like is overlooked in, uh, in comics is like genre stuff dealing specifically with horror. And I want to see more of it. I, I think there isn't enough really good horror comics. I don't know about you, Cam, but like for me... I'm a huge genre fiction fan, and I just love horror. I love mm-hmm. horror movies, TV shows, whatever. As long as it's good and just scratches that itch. So, you know, send us whatever you got. We would love to talk about it. And also, if you just have stuff in general that you want to share, if it's a book that you're working on or a book that you have worked on and finished, uh, send it over our way. We'd love to review it or talk about it. Um, try and 
I don't know. Talk about comics on our stupid comic show. Get the gutter gang involved. Boom. All right. Well, uh, next up we have Buster Moody on, and I believe, Cam, you're not on this, so I'll get the fuck out. All right. See you next time, guys. See ya. We'll be right back. Get ready for a comic with Ratitude. With Task Force Rad Squad, The Collection. Over 180 pages of 90s superhero meets tokusatsu obnoxiousness with cyberpunk kaiju and giant robot vibes. Plus, extreme extras. Get the exclusive, hard to find, out of print, six issue comic series in one fire collection. Get it while you can. Back, Task Force Rad Squad, The Collection. Get rad. Batteries not included. Do not leave comic near pregnant women. These products and claims are not approved to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. Unless the disease is lack of dope mass comic syndrome. This does cure that. Please seek out medical attention if your boner lasts longer than four hours. Side effects may include like, share, and subscribe. Buster Moody. Yo, yo, what up, man? Buster, how you doing? I'm doing all right, dude. I'm doing all right. I'm having a having a, a decent evening so far, so, yeah. Very nice. And of course, because of my bungling, this is the second time we're actually doing this. <laughs> That's all right, man. I, I was, uh, I consider myself lucky to be able to uh, talk to you uh, at, at a length of time for a second time, so, so it's my pleasure, is what I'm saying. <laughs> You always say the right thing. Mm-hmm. I just want to see that smile, man. I want to see that JB smile. So <laughs> <laughs> through the through the power of podcasting, I'm fine hearing that smile too. So Ooh, yeah, I can... <laughs> yeah, that's when you know the smile's good. That's right. If you can that's hear right. it through the yeah. through the microphone, and I can, man, I can hear it loud and clear. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay, so currently you are crowdsourcing a new book. It's actually a collection of issues from a comic that you and, and uh, Caleb Golner had been working on, correct? Correct, yeah. Um, this is, uh, I, we have a Kickstarter right now that we're doing for uh, our book, which is called Task Force Rad Squad. Um, and Task Force Rad Squad is kind of like a, uh, I, I guess you could say that it was like, um, what if uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, the dude who created, uh, they created Ninja Turtles, what if they had, instead of like been as heavily influenced by like 1980s Frank Miller Marvel comics and Daredevil and stuff. What if what if those dudes instead had been like uh, influenced by stuff like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or the early 90s Image Comics or uh, like cyberpunk manga? Um, basically, all of all of uh, that type stuff. So um, so this is kind of like oh what if that what if that had happened and they created like a Tokusatsu sort of Super Sentai Power Rangers uh, teenage group of uh, of kids who basically protect the earth from you know dangers so that's that's what task force rad squad is basically and uh the uh, kickstarter collects the um we've done six issues so far we basically did one like annually for the last six years and the kickstarter will be for a collection uh that will collect the first those first six issues so yeah and i didn't even i don't think i realized that you'd been working on it for the last six years either yeah, I mean, I think it's it's more like five or five and a half, but um, but yeah, so man, it's, it's been, it's been yeah. a while, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, man, like, uh, you know, we, we've done, we've done things in between each issue basically. So it hasn't been all, all red squad all the time. Um, I mean, Caleb and I are, are like totally red all the time, but, um, we weren't constantly, you know, <laughs> working, on, yeah. working on our red comic. So, yeah. <laughs> Right, because obviously you've been working on your stuff too. Uh, you did a bunch of work for uh, IDW on the Turtles. You did some stuff on, uh, uh, you did Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, you've done a good chunk of other things, obviously. But, yeah, uh, But Task Force Rad Squad's been sort of the, Maybe the like main... The flagship, you know, kind of like that's been my main deal. Because that's like my uh, creator-owned book, you know. Exactly, um, that's it, yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's definitely the one that's like closest, uh, closest to my heart. Because, uh, you know, Caleb and I made these characters and we, you know, actually care about them and everything. So, um, but yeah, I also, yeah, I did, I did some stuff, uh, uh for IDW. I did a thing with, uh, Eric Fridas and, uh, Ulysses Farnas. Um, we did Godzilla in Hell, uh, the third issue of that series, which was a crazy, crazy series. Um, but that was really awesome to, uh, to work on. Um, I also did a, a thing, uh, previously with those dudes called amazing forest um so i did like oh, a, sh- yeah. a short for them that was in that uh which was originally um I-, I think idw actually collected that after the fact but uh that was cool that was cool to see that um that story get printed but um also caleb and i did like a tmnt fan comic in between one of the you know rad squad issues i think it was issue two and three we did in between those two issues uh we decided like oh in the downtime we should go ahead and like just uh we should do you know, something that kind of, uh, directly, I mean, Rad Squad kind of cashes in on that nostalgia, but we wanted like to do that, the direct thing. So, um, we decided to do a, a TMNT fan comic basically. Um, and that, uh, that basically kind of, uh, around the framework of what's a way that we can draw, or I can draw, uh, all of the action figures that Caleb and I had when we were growing up. So, um, so that's essentially like how we came to the, uh, idea that like, you know, the Foot Clan would throw barbecues for the super villains out in like the burbs, you know, just kind of like, uh, Technodrome surfaced somewhere out in the middle of, uh, some, uh, one of the burrows and just kind of like they decided to stay there and, uh, hang out. So, um, so since that's where the Foot Clan is, you know, located kind of in this story. That's where they're throwing their barbecues, and the turtles uh, kind of get wind of that, and they go out there and uh, they they basically bust them up, you know. Um, but uh, that that fan comic uh, ended up, you know, doing pretty well online, uh, and I was like put in contact with the editor, and that eventually led to uh, both myself and Caleb actually getting uh, work uh, on the IDW Turtles book. So um, so that was uh, that was really cool. Um, so that, yeah, that's yeah, a, that's another thing that we did in between issues, I guess you know. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, you, I mean, you obviously, I think you met Kevin Eastman too. Right? Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah, after we did that fan comic, uh, my buddy uh, Kyle Strom and I were at New York Comic Con. Um, I, I used to go every single year, basically, to New York Comic Con and have a table there uh, when the first few issues of Rad Squad were coming out. And uh, one year we decided to wait and talk to Kevin Eastman, and we did. Um, so I met him, and that was like really awesome. Uh, I, I like had my iPad had and i like was nervously showing him like my fan comic and he was like oh oh i've seen this already man like uh yeah i've seen this and i sent that to uh like bobby you should talk to, to you know to uh, the editor of the turtles i already told him to give you a cover you know so uh so that was really awesome man that was like you know peak 
peak comic book moment for me. Yeah, um, no, for up sure. Until that point. So, uh, and then in the meantime, we also like uh, since since then we I also have done like a signing with him. He did a signing at a at a comic shop in Lawrence, Kansas, which is like oh about forty five minutes away from uh, where I am. So. Um, so I went and hung out with with him there, and we did that signing, and then we uh, hung out. A you know a handful of us hung out afterwards, also. So it was a it was a good time, man. Yeah, so it's been it's been crazy, and honestly, like all of that stuff did come from Task Force Rad Squad. Like that's what kind of I guess not so much as like opened those doors, but allowed for me to realize that those doors could be opened. I guess so. So that was cool, and I mean, we still had to open them, still had to kind of go through and you know do all, do all the work. But um, Task course, Force Rad yeah. Squad is kind of like the you know I guess that was like the the distillation of like what Caleb and I really liked about that sort of thing. But uh, it was really awesome to like actually directly work on like the Ninja Turtles, which was also like a huge influence on Task Force Rat Squad. So for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Kickstarter is going out through what, uh, when does the Kickstarter end? Oh, I think it has, uh, I think it has like 11 days left, 10 days left. So, um, so it ends the 18th then I guess. So we're kind of like, we're not even really to the halfway point. We're asking for like 25k. So we really got to like push through. I've been, uh, I've been doing like my darndest. I don't know what, what all there is to do. So I've just instead been making like a shit ton of memes, you know? Um, yeah. That's like my way of, uh, both coping and, you know, I, I, I can, I can pretend like it's also like for marketing, you know, uh, purposes so, or promotional. Right. So, uh, but then it's also a way that I can still smile at the whole thing. So, but basically, you know, we, we, we got, we've got ways to go but uh you know i'm still i'm still you know confident that if people want this to happen that it'll happen so yeah yeah do you feel like um because i know the timing of this one was around the same time as the uh, call for the union breaking right from kickstarter yeah, I, th- I think that that was all resolved. I- I'm pretty sure that it was. I think something happened today, but um, but yeah, man. At some point, I think last week, even uh, Neil Gaiman made like a uh, a call to boycott Kickstarter um, because of uh, because they had fired those employees. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just like shit timing at that point. You're oh yeah. Like- <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Also, and yeah, maybe uh, you know, maybe if it doesn't in fact make it, I can chalk it up to that, you know, as the reason in- instead of like uh, people not wanting <laughs> Task Force Red Squad. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, it was it was kind of a lofty goal too. So, um, but honestly, I think that I think it's an attainable one. Um, but we'll see. Um, yeah. And uh, have you done Kickstarters before? Before this? Uh, I've supported a bunch of Kickstarters, like. I don't know, 30 Kickstarters or something. Uh, and I've, uh, contributed pieces and pages to other people's Kickstarters. So, um, but this is the first one that I'm like actively a part of. That's a thing yeah. that I also am like, you know, a creator, uh, owner of. So, right. They seem pretty involved, right. In terms of running a campaign and getting all the goals organized and, and there just seems to be like a lot of gears there that yeah, you kind of have to manage. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a lot to do um, on it, and uh, Caleb and I kind of split duties, uh, and we do have a fulfillment uh, company that um, I guess once once we meet our goal, they're going to help us with the uh, you know they will get everything printed and sent to them, and they'll ship everything out to all the backers and everything. So there's that aspect, which luckily we don't have to we we don't really have to be concerned with uh, at least at this point. Um, but yeah, as far as like the promotional side of it goes, um, like lining up. 
you know, I, I guess, you know, you, you start talking about a project and how it's happening and sometimes people will reach out to you asking you to talk about it, you know, um, but a lot of the times it's kind of us reaching out to people, seeing if uh, anybody wants to, you know, just talk about it. So that's, that's one, that's one side of it. Um, but yeah, even just coming up with the goals and the different levels and, uh, um, all that stuff, you know, th all the images that are on the, you know, campaign page and everything. It is all very time consuming for sure, man. Um, and I guess yeah. that's not a thing. I mean, I mean, I knew that everything was kind of going to take time, but you know, that's not really a thing that you think about whenever you're just like picturing it in your head as a thing. It's like, Oh, it just will exist, you know? So for sure. And it seems to be like, uh, with, especially with comics and creator owned books, you're seeing more, uh, more of a move over the last five years into, fundraising and, and, you know, basically using websites like Kickstarter as a platform in order to get those funds to publish the books, get people paid. Um, but, you know, just to have those those finished projects in people's hands. But then, you like you said, you have that fulfillment center, that, that company that's going to be responsible for uh, printing and then individually shipping those out to the backers. Like, that's a whole other industry as well, writing on the backs of Kickstarter and, and so forth. Yeah, man. Uh, Is everything kind of more going towards that direction, do you think? And I mean, there's definitely a lot of that. And there's also like, uh, you, you start getting like these uh, emails and promotional things from all of these like tangential uh, Kickstarter companies that like have stats on your Kickstarter, you know, like it's been right. like they track them. And then it's like, hey, look at all this info we have about your campaign and what can improve it or whatever and how we can like help trend it or whatever. So like come with us or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so mm -hmm. it totally, it totally is like uh, it, it definitely is. Uh, it's uh, its own kind of. Of, uh, it's given birth to a few, I feel like, kind of side markets, if that makes sense. So. For sure, yeah. Um, Which has, yeah, I mean, there's positive and negatives to that, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, ones that are useful are, are great, and I and I can see how all of it, you know, arguably is useful. So I see how they're all trying to make their their case. Um, but also, like, I'm I'm just more interested in the getting it funded, you know, trying to get it out there in front of as many people as possible. So of course, um, of course, yeah. Uh, so more about the book, uh, yeah. you were mentioning the, you and Caleb in terms of what affected you the most and what had the largest, um, inspire, I guess, what were the biggest sources of inspiration and, and predominantly it seems to be Tokusatsu, Super Sentai, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and Caleb is the one that kind of is very super into that world. Uh, I, I, I like it myself. Um, and I've watched like a few seasons of Super Sentai and I've watched all of, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but that, that mostly is what it was for me when I was growing up was the Power Rangers. Um, my younger brother and I were super into, super into them, you know, um, and we saw the movie and had videotapes and, uh, action figures and all that stuff. Uh, some of my earlier drawings were kind of like trying to copy the poses from like Power Rangers coloring books, even, you know, I can remember um, feeling like there were like some really dope poses in there. And I was like, man, I, I don't even know how to like draw that, you know, yeah, like at that time yeah. I just drew like stick figures. So I remember like being like, oh, I'm going to try and figure out that pose. But so anyway, I was, yeah. always, I was always super more into uh, in, like in, into Power Rangers. So like, um, I, I will say that like for the longest time, I didn't even think about them. And uh, like oddly, oddly enough, um, there, there is kind of like a, I, I would say like a metaphysical aspect to to this this story because like um like a week prior to caleb uh basically coming to me with the idea and being like hey man i have this this idea like a week prior to that uh i was at a different point 
in time in my life, uh, I was doing like a lot of psychedelics and experimenting with like a lot of, um, uh, a lot of things that could take me to different places, you know? Um, so, uh, right, right. <laughs> so like I was, uh, I was, that's crazy, man. Oh, I know, man. Was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I, I mean, I was on a, uh, a Jamie, play, pull, pull up that video, <laughs> pull, that pull chimpanzee. Up that video. Uh, Check so, this out. This is crazy. So I was on a thing. I was on a substance, uh, but I was having like a, uh, a total hallucination out of body experience, this whole metaphysical experience where I was like talking to God basically. Um, but God was like manifesting himself, like in the form of Zordon from like the nineties, uh, mighty Morphin power Rangers. Like I kept on remembering, like in my head being like, why is God Zordon, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so that was kind of weird. Um, so like, so from there, basically, like, what happened to me is, like, I would go on trips, I would, like, do these things, and then, like, for a while afterward, I would, like, sit there and try and, like, reverse engineer it, think about why it was that that happened, you know? Um, so, like, uh, basically, so it can also, like, in, it, you know, in addition to being fun, it also is, like, a, uh, it's kind of like a self-growth type, uh, type experience or whatever, but, uh, sometimes things like this happen instead where just, like, a week later there was, like, a comic book party in town, and, uh, uh, Jessica and I went there, and, uh, Caleb was there with his wife, and that's where he basically, like, asked me, he was like, hey man, uh, I've got this idea for this comic, and just tell me if you, like, are not feeling it or whatever, but it's, like, this Power Rangers-inspired comic, and then he, like, laid it all out for me, and, uh, you know, talked about how there were the kind of, like, like we have uh, the different coded, uh, like each kid is a different uh, color that they represent. So there's like uh, Shinji, who's the green fighter, you know, and we have Kate, who's the blue fighter, and we have uh, Cody, who's the silver fighter, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And then they have like Wizard, who's like the, uh, you know, he's kind of like the wizard, uh, the mage sort of Zordon-like character, basically. So anyway, yeah. Kayla was like laying all of this out for me and... Uh, like, like I realized, of course, like immediately that that's the reason why I'd had that experience before, obviously, like that was, uh, you know, so I, I couldn't ignore, I couldn't ignore that. So, um, so that's actually the reason, I don't know if I've ever told you that, man, but that's the reason why I agreed to do this, uh, to do task force rad squad to begin with was, um, because I had a trip where God was Zordon. So I did not uh, know that part yeah. or maybe, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like that's something I would have remembered. <laughs> probably, probably so, man. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I guess I don't uh, talk about that super often. I think I, I, I have a few times lately since we've been talking about the project again. But uh, yeah, that's just like a, you know, I, I guess a little bit of backstory on um, why Task Force Rad Squad did actually happen. So, uh, but yeah, man. Um, so yeah, that was that was like... Uh, <laughs> that was like a cool thing basically to me then so i was like well i gotta do this i can't like ignore that that coincidence basically so um so that's why i drew task force rad squad number one uh and then from there i just really liked it a lot and i thought it was funny uh, and i really liked the ideas that caleb had and him and i like there was a thing about our personalities and a sense of humor that kind of like you know linked up so um so anyway uh yeah that's uh that's basically kind of where where i came from with it yeah i mean going back to the psychedelic drug use and and i feel like a lot of that early super sentai stuff like the monster designs and whatnot are 
clearly the product of some sort of drug use. Oh yeah, man. And honestly, that that was always my favorite part about Super Sentai and uh, like Common Rider, all, all the all the kaiju's. On, honestly, anybody that had anything that had kaiju in it, the, like those designs were awesome to me. All the monster designs uh, and like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, all the villains and everything. I always loved. Yeah. I always loved those those designs. They were so uh, they were so cool. Like that was uh, and because they were so distinct and and like weird and unique, you know. Um, but I could totally see like you know psychedelics and drug use coming into that like some of those uh there's there's even some i don't i don't remember the names but there's some like just repeated patterns that kind of like like fractal yeah. off uh like eyeballs that like fractal yes. off you know super psychedelic um, designs yeah man that could have been the product of the time or it could have also been the fact that you know as a country uh it turns out you end up being pretty weird after two atomic bombs get dropped on you yeah man uh so there's you know i'm sure there's a lot of like neuroses and stuff coming out from that maybe but i don't know it whatever is going on over there the, those designs are really really fantastic and i mean you know that about me we always talk about us uh, takasatsu and super sentai creatures and the monster designs and, and whatnot they're always pretty uh, entertaining and, and really creative. Yeah, man. And that, that stuff is super fun to draw also. I mean, obviously, oh, obviously I know that you, you have done projects based specifically around that too. So, um, so yeah, man, uh, that's, that's definitely like one, what I think is one of the coolest, uh, aspects of, of those, those, you know, tokusatsu and that, that type of story in general. And honestly, I feel like there's even some crossover with stuff like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with like all of yeah, the, you know, like say, the variety yeah. of the the designs of the characters with that and I and I know like a lot of that was you know like I think the necessity to make unique designs for toys you know like just so that way how can we right how can we make like a different version of something like this too but uh, but honestly it led to some like really awesome designs I guess if if the people that you have designing the the toys are are dope then <laughs> they're gonna make cool things you know so yeah for sure. Yeah, I mean, those, especially uh, with going back to Ninja Turtles and kind of like adjacent to that, the Toxic Crusader toy oh, line, because yeah. it was being made by, by Playmates and I believe handled design-wise by the same team that was doing those Ninja Turtle figures. Um, Maybe, I'm not sure. But yeah, just yeah, just the creativity that went into those designs. And there is definitely an overlap in, in terms of like the wackiness and the creativity that went into, uh, you know, designing these characters from, from scratch, basically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and I think, I mean, some of it is because I, I think... Uh, at that point, maybe things that were just uh, like uh, weird were kind of more accepted as uh, being fine or something, you know? Uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of that is uh, sort of the product of, you know, lo lowbrow art, like Ratfink stuff yeah, from the 60s. Yeah. And it just kind of mutated into that. But it became ma like uh, mainstream at that time, you know, like uh, like the Ninja Turtles for had sure. some weird, um, you know, like some of their some of the toys are, are weird you know like pizza pizza yeah, face no, is absolutely. weird you know so it's like that stuff has roots in counterculture oh, yeah. like just illustration art uh, comics you know all that stuff came from that for yeah, sure man and it, uh, yeah it's just awesome that that i kind of uh, got it that huge exposure i kind of wish that the the embracing of that sort of uh that stuff I, I think it'll probably come back around at some point but um but yeah man i like that i like that weirdness you know um things everything nowadays like looks good i guess you know uh, at least the stuff yeah. that's popular 
popular. The popular version of like nerd culture all like looks good, I guess. So um, yeah, it has a sort of a samey quality to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like too clean, and, and it it's either too clean or too hit you over the head, like hot topic edgy. Oh yeah, with create create creature designs and stuff like that. It's never it never hits that sweet spot that I feel like a lot of that stuff had. It also could be a budget thing because I feel like those Super Sentai shows were on a shoestring budget and they were able to. They were kind of forcing themselves in a in a position where they would have to be super creative with the designs given the what they were you know, working with that they had yeah, exactly yeah. yeah that makes sense yeah yeah for sure but I mean some somebody still I think had to sit down and draw those things you know which is uh, no they yeah. they're definitely um, there's definitely like concept art of designers that you know were on who worked on those shows. And Man, just I, drawings yeah, I even after drawings. Stuff. I would love to see. I'd love to see. Oh, those there's tons stuff, of like yeah. reference books and materials out there, but they're in Japanese and you know pretty much only available in yeah. Japan. So I mean, if if I could just look at the pictures, I I would probably still do that though. To be honest. So. Yeah, I feel like the the very peak of Tumblr, a lot of that stuff was exposed to a new generation of fans Man, that's one of the things i miss about tumblr is uh like scans of books or something you know like oh uh, that yeah you just can't find anywhere so that was cool i also think like the ability to like curate and share just uh, images and was it just a really great resource and tool for artists in general yeah man it was very but... art focused uh for a few years there Actually, that's the Tumblr is probably the reason why that uh, Ninja Turtle fan comic that Caleb and I did like blew up so so big. To be honest, I think it like took it took right. off there first, you know. So yeah, at, and at a time when that was possible, yeah, which is kind of crazy to think that it's not <laughs> now. Yeah, I mean, now you have you know Twitter and Instagram, I guess, but I don't know. I feel like given how Tumblr was used, it was purely like a visual platform. Mm-hmm. So you're just working off of art work and photography and yeah it's all image based yeah. so it made more sense for it to be able to spread as quickly as it did and be you know gain traction the way it did with twitter and, and instagram i feel like it's you're competing too much with other things and i mean i look at any artist account and then compare it to like a meme account oh, yeah. and it's like uh you know there's hundreds of thousands of meme accounts that all have you know 50 100 200k oh, followers yeah. or just like you know co- cool comic art or something like that you know like one of those things that's oh, like sure aggregator accounts yeah, just, right that just collect mm-hmm. images from other accounts yeah. yeah for sure for sure and you know that's just yeah yeah that's just definitely a thing i mean I, f- I follow some of them too but uh but i would i also prefer to follow the artists you know it's like that's yeah. oh of course i mean it, don't get me wrong I, f- I think it is a good way to get exposed to to different things the same way tumblr work um because there were definitely tumblr accounts out there that were just they were pretty popular because and this would have been pre-pinterest and all that where you were able to aggregate images uh-huh. that way yeah um but yeah there were definitely i remember there being key accounts out there that fit certain aesthetics yeah. so if you were interested in this sort of thing then they would post mostly stuff in line of you know whatever that thing that you were into yeah, like you know like death oh like old 90s death metal cover art 
it would just be an account of mostly that stuff. Or, you know, book scans of uh, uh, old uh, kaiju designs. That would be just all that account. That's where that Mobius Quince consciousness was, was uh, you know, Ian ran that uh, Tumblr for the Mobius one that got taken down. But there were uh, there were scans. There, there was more Mobius there than anywhere else, literally on the entire Internet. And that, you know, more than the Internet has seen since then, you know. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't believe how much how much there was on there and how much like difficult to find stuff there was too. So, and of course, I saved none of it because I was like, "This will always be here." Now it's been posted on the internet. It's been posted on on Tumblr. This yeah. will always be here. Uh, but yeah. but then yeah, he got, I think it, he got like a cease and desist or something for it. So, um, which is crazy because he's not monetizing that. No, not at all. No. So um, what what is that then? I don't understand what the big deal is. Is it because people are able to look at it for free? Yeah, is that, the problem? It, it, that was what it was because Mobius's wife was like in a deal uh, with Disney at that time or something where they were trying to f- figure out if Disney wanted to acquire the rights, the publishing rights to all of that stuff. And I think that she wanted it to be as if his stuff was like nowhere to be found online, basically. Um, and Ian's Tumblr, like I said, had like you know, a hundred times what you could find anywhere right. else online. So, right. so I can see why that was like, uh, you know, I think he actually, I, I'm not sure if they, he got like a real cease and desist, but I think he did get a direct message from her saying to like, take it down. So, um, which is a bummer. I've, man, I've tried to uh, convince him to like put that stuff in like drive folders and stuff too. I'm like, man, just upload it somewhere, yeah. dude. I'll send you a hard drive, bro. But, For real. Or uh, just hey, Google drives, you know, yeah, like man. it's, or Dropbox. It's really not that difficult. God, yeah. I mean. He, yeah, he'd be more interested in like a trading type thing. And I, I honestly don't collect in that way, I guess. So I don't know. Even, I don't even know what I would have to offer him. So I guess maybe some manga. I have, I probably have some manga that he hasn't seen. Yeah. Maybe that has, you know, some, uh, I don't know. People, people don't like it, but I like the scanlations, man. You know, I'll, I'll read a bunch of those because I can't, you know, if I can't find it in any other, you know, translate it any other way. So. Right. Um, yeah. Although I did see uh, somebody using one of those apps, man, that they that has the live the live text uh, translate on their phones. Have you seen that, dude? No, I have not. Yeah, man. You just like uh, it's it's basically like a you know a scan thing. It just uses the camera of your phone, but it like will live translate. Like so, you know, if I'm if I have this pointed at like this beer pale ale or whatever, I could like click on like English to German or something, and it would change it to German or whatever. But I saw somebody actually doing this with manga. Uh, and they had it from Japanese to English, basically. Uh, and it, like, was the the Earth, you know, world's shittiest lettering that you've ever seen of the English once it finally, like, actually translates it. But you can actually just hold the phone over a page of manga, and it will translate the entire page. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it takes a few minutes, and it, and it doesn't look great, like I said, you know, but it does it. So you can, like, actually read read it that way, which... Honestly, that would be a game changer for me because then I would just be like, fuck it, I'm, buy- yeah. I'm, I'm buying it in Japanese on eBay or whatever because, like, you know, it's cheaper. Than, than and also English, that technology so. is going to be able to do it the way you wanted to do it in, like, five or ten years' time anyway. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll like... You know, we won't. I won't need to buy English versions of something that I bought years ago in a different language just because they tr- finally translated it. You know, you could just use yeah. that. So, yeah, crazy times. So, you also are working on another book though that's completely just you. Yeah, man, I'm doing. Uh, so I've got I've got a uh, Patreon also, which is Patreon.com/slash Buster Moody, and that is uh, basically I'm I'm 
taking the money that I get from that and I'm paying to print the eventual printing of Laser Storm. Uh, Laser Storm Giant Slayers is what it's called. Uh, it's about a team of, like, misfits in the future who, um, they're basically contract killers, uh, specifically for giants because giants have returned to Earth and they basically, like, are running amok and, you know, ruining stuff. Uh, but yeah, so this, this team basically gets hired. They specialize in, in killing giants with laser based weaponry. So, um, so it's kind of like a, uh, like a future fantasy cyberpunk kind of sci fi type deal. Uh, but yeah, man, um, that's, uh, that's like currently what I got going on. It's my, it's the first thing that I've like, uh, that will be like a, a actual complete story that I've written myself, um, uh, other than just like short stories and stuff. So, so I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm still cranking away on, on writing the next sequence right now. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've seen you post some, some, uh, sporadic updates about it and it looks really cool. It looks like you're leaning more into sort of the wackiness Oh yeah, of, of you know those genres and whatnot. So yeah, I'm go I'm trying to go for like some extreme action. When I have the action, I really want to exploit it for like extreme angles and kind of uh, goofy battle cries. Um, because because it is totally like um, that. It's it's like a combination of the types hyper violent manga that I'm that I'm into and cyberpunk aesthetic and. Uh, you know, image comics, early 90s image comics again, you know, like that, just that kind of in your face, boom basketic over the top, uh, sort of, uh, sort of, uh, vibe, you know, so, um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that sort of is what I'm going for in the, uh, the action sequences. And this is, it is primarily an action book, so. You also make some music. Some listeners here that actually um, pay attention, I guess, <laughs> probably will notice that you're responsible for pretty much all the music on, on this show, uh, which, of course, thank you, Buster. Oh, uh, We really appreciate that. That's my pleasure, too, man. I love, I love hearing it uh, combined with you and Cam's voice. So, you know, that, uh, that's a great pleasure of mine uh, every time you guys post a new episode. So Yeah, we, we love it. And I think a lot of, a lot of uh, listeners have definitely kind of given us pretty much overwhelming positive feedback about the music. And, they, you know, they really are into it. So, yeah. Well, well, up, yeah man. Man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, dude. Uh, you are also going to be on a new beat tape coming up. Because remember, you'd mentioned this before. Uh, yes. Is that right? Yeah, I am. I have two beats on an upcoming beat tape. Uh, it's for a local KC label here called Fuck Life. And that's F-U-K-L-Y-F-E. So uh, if you type mm -hmm. that in and then type in, like, beat compilation... Uh, it'll take you to the band camp and then like, that's the right place to be. Uh, th now this is the fuck life, uh, compilation volume two. So, uh, but, uh, they also did one last year that I got a track on too. That I produced a beat. Um, but this one I have two beats on and, uh, you know, there's a bunch of other really dope producers that are on there. Um, my buddy Rick, uh, kind of is the one that's putting it all together. Uh, and they got this, uh, dope art by, uh, Austin Glasgow is his name. It's kind of like a, uh, a Super Mario throwback. It's kind of like all of the, all of the gaming systems of the nineties is kind of fuck life's, uh, overall aesthetic. Uh, and they're kind of like an apparel, uh, and label company, basically. So, you know, I, I don't know if people call that lifestyle. Is that, is that what people call that shit? Like lifestyle brand or something like that? Uh, sure. I have, I have no idea. But really, it's just the homies. It's just like the homies that, you know, they make a bunch of dope t-shirts and beats and stuff like that. So, um, so I'm excited to have a couple beats on that and that'll be dropping October, uh, 14th. So, so look for that for sure. Cool. 
Awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to have you on again. And um, absolutely, man. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to be back on with you and Cam both, man. So that'd be cool. Like uh, proper proper uh, gutter gang shit, you know? Yeah. So. Maybe we'll do an episode where we all just do a bunch of drugs and then record. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. We'll see. We'll see what sort of uh, comics we're inspired to make. So yeah. Hell yeah. I like that. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, where can people find you online if they want to check out more of your stuff? Uh, I guess first and foremost, I guess people should go to taskforceradsquad.com and then that will just take you basically to the Kickstarter, but you should check it out. Um, I've got a bunch of pages that I posted on there too. Um, there also is a, uh, if you look into updates, then you can find like a Google Drive folder that has all of the original art that's available uh, at different like levels of that of the Kickstarter too. Uh, so definitely go to taskforceradsquad.com um, and then you can also go to bustermoody.com uh, then I'm also on uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. If you just search Buster Moody, you should be able to find me. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me, dude. I really appreciate it. So. Hey, man. Anytime. Yeah, man. We love you. Oh, all I right. love you, JVs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you. All right. Later, dude.